1: Why
2: is, why is Satan destroying our homes this morning? Why is divorce epidemic in the church? These three reasons. Lust, adultery, and divorce. So Jesus is going to speak to us about those three things. And if your home is going to be enlarged and healthy,
0: we have to pay attention to these areas. Many of us would be surprised to hear that the divorce rate within the church is no different from the rest of society. Unfortunately, this is a reality in our current day and age. So just what is the cause that's led to such a drastic shift within the church? In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us the negative impact that lust, adultery, and divorce has on our society. In our study, we'll learn how the moral and ethical compromise of society as a whole has led to the degradation of God's institution of marriage. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verse 2, with part one of his message entitled, Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God.
1: The prophecy that God gave us
2: for our church was a prophecy given certainly to the nation of Israel first but it had to do with tents or our homes a tent is only as stable as the stakes are in the ground that tent is held up by ropes and stakes That was the prophecy that God gave us. That's your home. That's my home. Individually and corporately, that's our church. Let me share with you the prophecy, and you'll see it on Isaiah chapter 54. As you understand this prophecy, it is for you, if you're a Christian, and it is for our church. Isaiah 54 says this Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords strengthen your stakes. Well, why should we do that? God says, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. It isn't just for this generation, but it's for the next generation, our kids and grandchildren. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now, as you're doing all of this, God said to us, do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. So there's two things, and I'm not certainly going to go through last week's teaching, but to remind you, God wants to do two things in our lives. Number one, he wants to increase our spiritual width, our influence. That's not talking about the church only, it's talking about you in your neighborhood, at work, at school. In Brevard County, in Florida, in the, in the nation, in the world. Not for our glory, not for our name. Wow, look what Calvary Chapel is doing. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the honor and the name of God. Now, as he expands us, before he can expand us, before you can expand that tent, you have to make sure the stakes are down. So the second thing, and this is what we talked about last week, there has to be increased spiritual depth. There has to be more maturity in your life. In my life, as a church, one of the things we're weak in is prayer. We started a series of prayer on Wednesday night. God's going to strengthen us in that area, and as we do that, He'll be able to expand us here and around the world in our influence for Him. Now, as we do that, we gave you a homework assignment last week of the seven stakes that come from Acts chapter 2. And we ask you to rate yourself in those seven things. Maybe you started off good and then you kind of fell apart. Get back into it this week. Here are the seven things that if God is going to use you and I, if we're going to be like the early church, the early church in the book of Acts was the most successful church in history. How did it happen? Before God expanded them, here's the things that they had to work on. The word was important fellowship communing one with another many of you were in the guess who's coming to dinner the last few nights we encouraged you last week to invite somebody over for dinner do it again you're gonna get sick of me in a way because I'm gonna be pounding these seven stakes into your life because before you can grow and before this church can do what God wants we must pay attention to these stakes number three communion when we take communion be here prayer we're teaching on it not only teaching on it but we have to pray service in all kinds of ways, filled with the Holy Spirit and evangelism. Those were the seven stakes that were there. Now, so God says to us, enlarge your home, strengthen it. But Satan says to us, I'm not going to allow them to enlarge, enlarging the homes. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to allow them to make a, a healthy home. I'm going to divide the home. I'm going to actually destroy homes. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that doesn't happen in the church. Well, sure, it's happening in the church. The divorce rate in the church today is the same exactly as in the world. Well, why is is Satan destroying our homes this morning? Why is divorce epidemic in the church? These three reasons. Lust, adultery, and divorce. So Jesus is going to speak to us about those three things. And if your home is going to be enlarged and healthy, we have to pay attention to these areas. Now, see, we live in a very different world than 40 years ago. Anybody remember Ozzie and Harriet? (laughs) Now, actually, in those days, it was very radical, Ozzie and Harriet, because notice, they're in a bed together. That was really risky on TV back then, because Ricky and Lucy... They slept in twin beds. We don't know how they ever had their kids, but they always slept in twin beds. <laughs> so this was very risky for us. Well, what about today? Well, what we have today are despot Housewives, the number one hit in the United States. Is that amazing to you? Let me ask you. If Jesus made his way to Hollywood in the set, where these ladies and the guys and the producers were producing This hit show called Desperate Housewives, would Jesus have anything to say to them? What do you think his sermon would be? Well, you're going to hear his sermon to them today. But forget Desperate Housewives. This sermon's for you, and this sermon's for me. It's not for the person next to you. It's not for these people who are into full-on adultery and lust rampant, but it's for the church. Our homes, our church, must be different. We pick it up in Matthew 5, verse 27. Jesus, remember, speaking to the disciples, you need to be different. Here's how you are to live. It's going to be different than the world. In that program were other people that were on the fence, kind of deciding whether they'd be a Christian or not. Jesus said it like this. You have heard it said, it was said, do not commit adultery. Well, they knew that. They were Jews. The seventh commandment, do not commit adultery. But Jesus expands it. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, circle this word, lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Skip on down to verse 32. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for, circle these words, marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Well, what is adultery? Adultery, simple, you know, it's sexual intercourse between a married person and someone other than your spouse. The world knows that. But Jesus is going to expand it in two ways. He's going to expand it past the physical into the mind and the heart. But he's going to broaden the word adultery. And it's going to include two words that I ask you to circle. Lust and actually marital unfaithfulness. That word itself comes from a word that, well, you'll recognize it when I give you the Greek. Pornia. It's our word for pornography. So what Jesus says is, adultery is a sin. We know that's wrong. There's there's not anybody in this room that doesn't realize it's a sin. Do the producers of Desperate Housewife realize it's a sin? Yes. Do they care? No. Does our world care? No. But Jesus cares. And so he says, I'm going to expand it. Marital unfaithfulness and lust allude to any sexual immorality, not just adultery. So that means any sexual immorality, including, listen, sex before marriage. Now, this is a story and a picture and a, a definition that the world, by and large, doesn't understand. An individual came to me after one of the services this weekend, young person, and he said, I've been waiting all my life to hear the message you just gave. I didn't know what God wanted. You may be here with the same questions. See, because the world will not teach this. In fact, somebody came to me last night in their 30s, said, I've been in church all my life and I've never heard this message in church. Well, you're going to hear it this morning. It needs to be taught in the church, because if not, our kids hear nothing but false things from the world. So what's Jesus say? Well, he's going to say that adultery, number one, you're going to see this in a moment, adultery doesn't have to be completing the physical act of intercourse. It can be, it can be in the mind, in the heart. But he's also going to say that sexual sin is way more than just adultery. In fact, it includes lust, pornography, sexual touching, undressing, even sexual dancing if done in the wrong way. And for many of our students from the fifth grade up that are here this morning, most of you parents won't understand this, but our kids at the fifth grade and up are practicing oral sex. And the world says that oral sex isn't sexual intercourse, so it's not a sin. In fact, one of our presidents told us that, and we laughed, but that had a great impact on our world. Well, oral sex is sin, and Jesus will state it as such. So here's a definition you need to write this morning. Any intimate sexual activity outside of marriage is immoral and sin. You see, Jesus is expanding it and he's going to say fantasizing these kind of things in our minds and our hearts is just as sinful as actually physical immorality. But sexual immorality that takes place in our mind, well, certainly there's fewer consequences because we're not involving another person, but if I if I go through with the whole act, some people have this mentality. Well, since I've already fantasized, I might as well just go through with the whole physical act. No, that's wrong. It has impi- It is sin to fantasize about this. We'll see about that and talk about that this morning. But carrying it to the full physical extent is even worse because now you've involved other people. So Jesus is going to say to us, "Well, how do we handle this this world of sexuality in this room this morning?" There's only two kinds of people. Male and female. We all have one parts or the other parts. We're all designed by God. So how do we handle it? Well, number one, if we lived in the Old Testament, adultery was not a difficult thing in the Old Testament. The adultery, if you had had an adulterous affair in the Old Testament, here's the solution. It was God's solution. The man and the woman were both stoned to death. Would that make a difference today? If you were getting ready to climb in bed with somebody and you went... Uh, If they catch us, we're stoned. What do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. Oh, I don't think so. So the Jewish leaders, well, they say, "How how do we get around this? And the next time we teach, we'll teach about how they got around it by saying all kinds of things. You could divorce a woman if she, like, scrambled the eggs wrong. So they broadened it. And then, of course, they only limited it to physical Not to the mind. Jesus says, no, 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 you got it wrong. So in our teaching this morning, the Jews said it's physical. Jesus said, yes, it is physical. But it's more than that. It's the desire that starts actually in the mind and the heart. It's an internal problem. Now, some of you are already going, well, I'm not guilty. I'm glad. Why are you talking about lust and adultery? I've never had any problem in my life. Let me just make a bold statement and a picture is going to come up here on the overhead. Everyone in this room has committed adultery in their heart at one time or another. Oh, not me, Pastor Mar-. Yes, you. And you just listen as we go through it, because you're going to see it. Now, if you haven't, maybe you have now. <laughs> and I covered her up, guys, as best I could. You see, for a guy, and we'll talk about this more later, it's a physical, it's a sexual thing, our lust. That's the way lust works in a guy. We're into sex. Not that women aren't, they are too. But women are into more relationships. So when a guy lesson as harder as mine, it, it usually has to do with sexuality. And of course, as you see, you have to buy a hamburger because it's sexy and we're crazy. <laughs> I watched a golf tournament yesterday because I like golf, and they had the golf ball going in the swimming pool, and there's this gal there with her bikini and whatever, and there was a sexual out I'm thinking, what, for golf? (laughs) But that's what happens in our lives. For women, it's not really a sexual thing initially. Women don't divorce and have affairs, really, to go to bed with somebody. They do it to have companionship, somebody that's going to love them and treat them. You see, you ladies have an expectation of what it was that you were marrying when you got married. You, you thought, you know, you'd, all your life, from these romance novels and all your life, there's going to be this shining arm, guy on armor and on a white horse, and he's going to come into your life, Woo! it's going to be terrific. And then you got married. <laughs> and the shining guy in the white horse ended up being a donkey that had a broke leg, and the guy couldn't hardly even walk it. <laughs> And there he is. (laughs) And so you're looking for somebody to come along. And there he is. Woo! So everybody in this room is guilty. Emotionally or physically in our minds. Also, some of you are actually guilty. You've had affairs. You've had sex before marriage. You've had a homosexual, lesbian, adulterous affair. You're here. Don't be condemned. God offers you hope, a brand new start. That's our world. You remember when Jesus came to the woman caught in adultery? At the end of it, you know what he said to her? Go and sin no more. Not your second class citizen. Just go, begin your life. So this morning, be encouraged. So wherever we're at this morning, we can't be condemning. We can't be looking at somebody else. We've all committed this in our heart. Now, the next slide is very important. The Bible is a standard. The world doesn't agree with that. doesn't matter. The world is wrong. The Bible is the standard. Jesus said, God set up in the Old Testament, Seventh Commandment, do not commit adultery. Now, of course, through the Bible, that's expanded. So the standard right on down that line says, do not commit adultery or any immoral sexual activity, including premarital sex, living together before you married." That's wrong. Well, the world, society, takes it to the left do whatever you want, that's old-fashioned, doesn't matter, you can just go for it, anything goes. Well, that's wrong. But Jesus just doesn't take the standard of the physical, he actually moves it to the right. And he says, yes, the physical is wrong, but the mental, the fantasizing, the heart is just as much a sin. So how do we handle that as we see what Jesus is going to say. How do we deal with this? What do we do in our lives? Well, let me define for you lust first. Lust is simply a desire for what is forbidden. It can include a lot of things, but of course, obviously, in this context, Jesus is talking about sexuality. So lust is simply the desire for that which is forbidden. Now, Satan is such a deceiver And he's such an incredible liar. What he says to us, and especially to you young people, is, well, God's approved. If you're going to be a Christian, there's no fun. There'll never be any fulfillment. God's against everything. No, he's not. God's the inventor of sex. You know, the little blue pill, Viagra, made by Pfizer, they didn't invent sex. God did. You know, the Cialis weekend, they didn't invent great weekends. God did. He's the inventor. So here's the definition. You don't need to write it down, but you've got to get it into your mind this morning because Satan is a liar. Look at this definition of sexuality. A healthy sexual desire is not sin. My friends, it was given by God. The hormones, the sexual parts, the drive, all of that is wonderful given to us by God. For we were created by God to enjoy sexual pleasure. Here's the kicker. Within the boundaries of marriage. Now, I want you to see a passage of Scripture. The Bible actually in many parts is X-rated. And that's why the fifth, fourth grade and whatever can't be in here this morning. And I want you to see on the overhead just a a picture of Solomon speaking sexually to us about marriage and about a relationship with a husband and wife in bed. If you want more explicit, you can go to the book of Song of Solomon. And uh, those of you that are too young and not married, I don't want you to go to the book of Song of Solomon, but those of you that are old enough, you can go there. That ensures this week, everybody in this church will be reading Song of Solomon. (laughs) Got you to read the Bible. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, let's look what Solomon says. Drink water from your own well. Now, Solomon's not talking about bottled water. He's talking about a husband and a wife... Exchanging love, sexual fluids, all of the things. It's very intimate. Notice what he says. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water? He's not talking about while you're making love, you dock the bottle of water over. <laughs> He's talking about why spill the water of your springs in public. In other words, it's something you don't do openly. And you certainly don't have sex with just anyone, only your spouse. He goes on. You shouldn't reserve it for yourselves. You don't share it, the sexual act, sexual intercourse, with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. In other words, there should be joy in your marriage, including the sexuality. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Not be said, you see the sign that says, divorced and love it. That's wrong. God says, enjoy your wife. Now look at the last one. X-rated, right to the heart of things. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. This is God writing. This is not Playboy Mansion. This is God. And what he's saying to us this morning is simply what you can see. God is into sex. But he prohibits adultery and sexual immorality.
0: Today in our message entitled Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God, Pastor Mark taught us about the negative impact that moral compromise has on society as a whole. In our study, we learned just how quickly things can spin out of control when we decide our way is better than God's. Using our divorce rates as an example, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of guarding our hearts from lust and adultery. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will help us better understand our current cultural status through the lens of Scripture. Continuing our focus on the detrimental effects of lust and adultery, Pastor Mark will teach us the root cause of lust and how important it is that we guard our hearts. In our study, we'll learn that the best way to do this is through the redemption of the heart that we receive through Christ. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer,